So when I first got accepted into the program, I remember I was sleeping at the time and it was three o'clock in the morning and I suddenly woke up and I'm not a person that wakes up in the middle of the night. I can literally sleep through anything, earthquakes, fire alarms, all that. So I wake up suddenly at 3 a.m. And I check my phone to see what time it is. And I see that there is an email from USC. And I thought maybe it was just one of those, you know, updates or informational emails. But then I read the the heading and it said, your decision for USC has been made, you know, log in to see. And so I log in and, you know, it says, congratulations, you've been accepted. I got a scholarship and I'm ecstatic, except it's three o'clock in the morning. So I can't really tell anyone. And so I'm silently freaking out and just wishing that like I could call my dad and, and tell angel. And, you know, so it was just a really funny experience for me to have found out that early in the morning, but afterwards I was really happy. I got to tell everyone, everyone was really, you know, thrilled my dad, especially because he went to USC. So it was a really, it was a fun way to find out that I had been accepted to a grad program, I guess. Could you sleep the rest of the night or were you pretty much? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. I was just so antsy to tell everyone that I was like, I don't think I can go to sleep now. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't remember exactly what I was doing or where I was when I got into USC. I just remember thinking, uh, I hope I get a scholarship because I also got into USC for undergrad and I was not given the aid that I would have needed to attend. And I did not want that to happen again, especially with a grad program, because I was really excited about this Master of Urban Planning program. I remember going to the virtual open house since it was during COVID and just feeling super excited, super amped up about the program. So yeah. Was super, super excited when I did end up getting a scholarship that made it possible to go. Um, But that was like my big concern. I was so happy I got in and I was like, did I get money? Did I get enough money? Did I get the aid? So (laughs) that was, I was super excited about that. Yeah. Um, Hey. Hey, welcome to Urban Planning is Not Boring. I'm Sam. And I'm Nat. Today, we kind of wanted to just discuss the program in general, and we're going to start by they, I think, pretty recently ended up um, posting the demographics from our cohort. And so we kind of wanted to go through that, breaks it down by, you know, gender, uh, race and ethnicity, and just total, um, total admission. So our cohort seems to be one of the largest cohorts, I believe, in a grad Mm -hmm. program. So we had 123 students enrolled in this program. And Sam and I were talking before this, and we believe that the previous cohort was between 35 and 40. So this is pretty significant in terms Mm -hmm. of the amount of students that have been enrolled. And I think Sam and I also noticed just going into, you know, a, a cohort class where mm-hmm. you're not taking a concentration class, but it's the whole cohort. And we just saw the amount of students. It was like so overwhelming and intimidating. Yeah. So it's a pretty large cohort that we have. Um, and in regards to the student demographics, we've got 
33%, approximately 34% students that are white. Um, You've got about 0.8% that are Native American, 12% that are Asian American, 3% that are Black, 24% that are international students, 21% that are Latinx, and 5.3% that are two or more ethnicities. And something that I was super stoked to see was that we are actually a 60% female cohort. So it's a 60-40, which we're the majority. (laughs) So that's pretty great. (laughs) Um, So those are the demographics of of our cohort. And Mm -hmm. next, we're just going to kind of discuss cohort sizes and, you know, how atypical this size is for a cohort. So Sam, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. When I first went into it, you know, I did think that it wasn't ideal because I think something that uh, my mom had kind of talked about, cause she did, uh, she did an online masters, but she had definitely a smaller cohort than what we have and got yeah. to know professors really well and have kind of that intimate relationship where yeah. I was a little worried with a bigger cohort size that it might be more difficult to get to know the professor just because there are so many students in our courses. But I think that there there's definitely pros and cons. I do think that we have a really wide variety of students from different backgrounds, different careers, different, yeah. um, you know, I guess, uh, what am I trying to say? Like majors in college and just yeah, a wealth of experience. And so I think it is really awesome to hear from everyone's different perspectives and everyone's different experiences. But I do think that in terms of, you know, participating, it is a little bit more challenging when there Definitely. are so many students in our courses. Like, I think that our first semester in our core courses that everyone has to take there were about 85 students yeah which is pretty pretty large yeah yeah I would have to agree because when I was starting I remember my dad had told me oh you know you're going to be so fortunate because you're going to have these very intimate courses with your professors you're going to really get to know them very well. And they're going to get to know you very well. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking into our first cohort course and seeing 85 people. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, how am I going to form that close relationship with my professor so that I can get the help that I need or get ahead when I need it. And it was, it did prove to be a bit challenging. Now the professors were super open to discuss with students. We even had a professor that gave her cell phone number if students needed to talk to her and office hours and things like that. So although we had a cohort of 85, it wasn't as if 85 of those students were going to office hours or Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, talk to the professor. So it was still pretty easy to form the relationships that I wanted to form with the relation with the professors that I had. So I was grateful for that. And then I was also grateful in the sense that our concentrations were where we really got to get pretty intimate with the professors. And I think we were, and those are our core courses. Those are the courses that we want to learn the most in. So I remember my first housing course, uh, it was eight students. It was fantastic. You know? Um, So I think, like you said, pros and cons, there was value to having more students for their experience. And then there was sort of a disadvantage in terms of, you know, 
trying to to form discussion because I think mm-hmm. having a, a discussion is really easy when you have eight students. Yeah. When you have a hundred or you know eighty to a hundred, it's a lot more difficult to have a class discussion about topics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I will say in my design class specifically, I did get to know the professor a lot, mostly because I was struggling. And obviously the professors are really open to, you know, meeting one-on-one or just chatting before or after class. And so I think that if you do want to form that relationship or if you do need extra help or you do need guidance, they are, for the most part, in my experience, there for you. Definitely. And to just dive in a little bit deeper, our concentrations more specifically. um, So I am a housing and real estate development concentration, and I'm also getting a certificate in transportation planning. And we'll go in further detail about certificates uh, in in a minute. But your concentration essentially is what you hope to uh, focus on and have your degree be the most centered around. And so you choose your concentration and then you have some core courses in which you would take with the rest of your cohort. And Mm -hmm. so I'll let Sam share what her concentration is as well. Yeah. So my concentration actually just got renamed uh, at the end of my first year. So it used to be called environmental planning and analysis. And now they're really centering the conversation on climate change. Um, so it's planning for climate change and sustainability. Um, And so within that, I have taken a couple of courses that are really centered on uh, disaster planning and resilience and that kind of environmental aspect of planning. And then also sustainability plans, uh, mostly centered on cities because it's hard to have a really... I think it's hard to have a statewide sustainability plan. Obviously we do have goals, but citywide where it's more localized, you can really focus on specific transportation systems, specific, you know, areas where there is going to be a higher likelihood of perhaps flooding or, um, you know, sea level rise. And then you can focus really specifically on communities that are on the front line and how we're going to address justice and equity impacts within cities. And so I really loved that hyper-localization on LA and on cities in general. Yep. Yeah. And uh, do you want to give an overview of what these specific concentrations are that are available at the USC program? Okay. So at USC, there are six concentration choices that students can choose from. And typically, if you are just doing a master of urban planning, you will choose it as you go into the program. Um, In your first semester, you'll start with your gateway courses. So there's arts and culture, design of the built environment, economic development, environmental planning and analysis, or as I said, it was really recently renamed to planning for climate change and sustainability, housing and real estate development and transportation and infrastructure and mobility planning. And so, so go ahead. Um, I was just going to say you take core courses with your cohort, the whole cohort takes, and then you take specific electives and gateway methodology courses within your specific concentration. So that's kind of like your expertise, I would say. Yeah. Yep. And so there are about seven, approximately seven courses that you will take over the program with your entire cohort. Some of these, though, for instance, 
I had a course that, um, for my concentration, we're actually in sometimes grouped with economic development. Mm-hmm. I at first was a little apprehensive to this, but I quickly enjoyed it because again, you're kind of learning the more economic side to development. And I Mm -hmm. think that became a huge asset, especially for working at LA Metro, because one of the courses that I took was learning about performance and development. And when I got to LA Metro, I was working on one of our first projects. The developer was talking about performance and a lot of the terminology, and it wasn't jargon for me because I actually, I, I totally understood it. I knew exactly mm-hmm. what they were talking about. Um, and so I think that became a huge asset. So I was a bit wary at first about combining mm-hmm. certain concentration courses with economic development, but I think it became a huge asset. And so I was really happy about that. So just again, You have seven courses that you're going to share with your cohort, and then you're going to take a gateway course for your concentration, a methodology course, a concentration elective, and then you get two additional electives that you can take. I believe it's two. And what happens when you get a certificate is that you end up essentially replacing those other electives with a different concentration that you're choosing to get your certificate in. Mm -hmm. So as an example, I'm a housing and real estate development concentration, and I'm getting a certificate in transportation and infrastructure planning. Mm -hmm. So rather than choosing other electives just at random in different concentrations like urban design or uh, climate change, uh, sorry, planning for climate change and and sustainability, I chose transportation and infrastructure. So I take my other electives in transportation and infrastructure. And at the end of my program, I will have a certificate in transportation planning. And I think the benefit to that is there's no additional costs and it takes no extra time. So you can do it if you choose. And if you choose not to, you can take other electives um, at random and by your choosing whatever you, of whatever you're interested in. And I think that's what Sam's doing. Yeah. So I was considering as well, um, doing the certificate in transportation planning, um, mostly because it, I think really goes well with the planning for climate change because transportation is, you know, a huge part of our emissions and a huge part of our pollution, especially, um, in cities. And so I was considering it. However, I think with my work experience being mostly in transportation, I kind of found that I didn't necessarily want to dedicate my elective space to getting a certificate. I just found that I really was interested in taking other electives. I'm taking an elective in design next semester that I'm really excited about. And so for me specifically, I wanted the freedom to take you know, kind of whatever elective sounded the most interesting to me. And so that's kind of why I decided not to do a certificate, but it is great that it is really built into the program where if you want to do one, you don't have to take more units. You don't have to stay longer and you don't have to pay more money to take, you know, more classes. It's really just available if that is what you want to do. Um, Yeah. And I think think it's, it's flexible and Mm -hmm. that's a huge, it's just such a benefit because you may want to do exactly what you said. You may just want to 
explore around and and learn different things in different concentrations. Or you may say, you know what, I'm really interested in this one other concentration. Mm-hmm. And so I want to get my certificate in that. And so I think that flexibility is, is great. So next and finally, we're going to just discuss what kind of work experience you need um, for this program. And by work experience, I don't mean for admission, but I mean, during your, uh, your program term of two years, you are required to take an internship. So I'll let Sam go ahead and kind of start that conversation. Yeah. So when you are in the program, there is a requirement that you complete 400 internship hours. And that can be, you know, at one agency where you're just staying for, you know, a summer and you're doing a full, a full time, 10 hour or 10 weeks at 40 hours a week. Um, or it can be, you know, kind of split up. You do have to have it pre-approved so that the administration knows that it is planning related or at least planning adjacent. Um, but yeah, so you do need to complete an internship. But I think that it just subs- like if you're doing a master's program, you're most likely going to be working, you know, because you do need to pay to live. You need to pay rent and to pay utilities, groceries, all that great of stuff. And so you are probably going to be working. And so I think that the fact that you do have an internship requirement, it kind of goes well with, okay, well, I'm going to be working. So I'm going to try and find an internship in planning to kind of kill two birds with one stone. You get your money that you need to live and you also get the great experience of working in planning and um, getting that internship hours done. Definitely. Yeah, the the internship qualification is just one extra way I think that USC is trying to ensure that when you leave the program, you are equipped to have a an amazing resume that's going to get you a job as soon as you're graduated. And so I value the internship qualification. I think it's, it's a good aspect uh, or it's a good addition to the program. So just to conclude, Sam and I kind of wanted to go over what we enjoy most about the program. So I'll just start by saying, I really do enjoy not only the professor's but a lot of the projects that I worked on. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just do one project highlight. <laughs> I had, I know a, exactly what project. I know, <laughs> yes. So Sam, basically, I want to say that Sam essentially did the project with me uh, in the sense that she held my hand through it. Not that she actually was working on it, but that she held my hand through it when I was really stressed out mm-hmm. about this project. But basically I took a course, which was, um, the economic development and housing development finance. And so this is where we're learning about performance and things like that. And my okay. professor, and I'm just going to interject. We need an episode all about performance because yes, I don't even know really what oh, we can is. talk about it. They're yeah, we so need, interesting. They're we need to fun. dive into that. <laughs> yes. So just quickly, essentially a performa is determining whether or not a project is viable based on certain calculations. Um, And so the pro forma are those sets of calculations that's going to allow a developer to know whether or not that project is going to to work out. And then that will determine whether they proceed with the project or not. And so my professor gave us this assignment, which was the final assignment we worked on at the entire semester. And basically you had to come up, you were provided a parcel of land and you had to come up with a development typology that you would want to put on that parcel of land. 
and I was struggling. And Sam knows this. Sam and I were sitting at the tables in the USC library and um, and some of our USC, um, you know, course class buildings and we're drawing out like what what could this look like and what yeah. could it be and i'm, I'm how many little, units are we putting right, there we're drawing these like awkward squares and yeah sam is like Let's, where could we put a park and you know i'm trying to figure out what this project is gonna is gonna turn into and i'm you know really struggling trying to get through it but when i finished the satisfaction of basically coming up with this amazing project pitch I was yeah. so satisfied and I learned so much in the process because you have to really get down on the ground and understand the community in which you're putting this project in. Mm-hmm. And so I got to learn so much about the Crenshaw corridor and the Crenshaw neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I was just so in love with this kind of project because it really challenged you to think a lot deeper than simply writing an essay. Yeah. It was so much more than that. And I was mm-hmm. so grateful for that project. And my professor, Ben Feingold, was just so amazing. I, I was just thrilled with the entire process and he was so helpful throughout the whole thing. So I think what I have enjoyed thus far about the program is how a lot of our professors are really coming up with creative ways to get us to think through urban planning concepts. Mm -hmm. And it's not just writing essays, it's doing so much more than that. And so I think Mm -hmm. that would probably be my highlight of the program. Yeah. I mean, I learned a lot from you doing that project. So that was fantastic. Um, And I think that kind of ties into what I've really enjoyed most about the program. You know, working uh, pretty much in grad school, most, I would say, of our projects are group projects. Not all. Yeah. Um, Like that one you were just discussing was individual, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of them are group projects. And I do really think that there is so much to be gained from working in groups, especially like I mentioned before, with everyone having different backgrounds and different expertise and different um, experiences prior to and since being in this program, that working with the students and my cohort mates has just been like an incredible learning experience. Um, I think you were talking about this before, but how you... Uh, your dad used to always tell you to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. Yep. And I absolutely think that this program does that. Like I have just been in awe by, you know, whether it's someone who's designing this like incredible pamphlet and you're like, how do you even begin to use it? Yeah. And I remember my dad told me because I was kind of struggling with group projects Mm -hmm. and my dad told me, cause I, I remember one day I called him and I was just kind of complaining and I was having yeah. some problems. And my dad told me, you know, Natalie, this is where you come to find who is going to lead and who is a leader. And you start to learn those attributes and you start to learn how you navigate through working in a group setting, because this is the reality. You're not going to go out into the field of urban planning and get a job and be working in a completely isolated you know, space. Yeah. You will be working with other people and you're going to need to learn how to navigate through that. And it's also going to show you whether or not you're equipped to be a leader yeah. in, that, in that position. And I think that does make it an extremely beneficial part of the program, having those those group projects. So although I was frustrated at times, I still view that as a complete asset. Yeah. I just want to add one more thing um, into what I've enjoyed most about the program. 
I think having adjunct professors that are in the fields that you are interested in has just been a huge asset. Like we have been in class with a practicing land use attorney who is a self-proclaimed CEQA expert. I've had classes with the chief sustainability officer in Mayor Garcetti's office. So she's been on the ground working with the LA Green New Deal and working with communities and just doing really amazing work for sustainability in LA. And she was my professor. And so I think learning from people who are in the field has also just been an incredible experience. Yeah. Such a great balance. Yeah. So to conclude, Sam and I did want to just do our final shout out um, of an organization or a program that we really support and want you guys to know more about. So I'm going to be shouting out Destination Crenshaw today, which is 1.3 miles of art and culture celebrating Black Los Angeles. And so um, I'm just going to read the blurb from their website. So they are stamping Crenshaw Boulevard, the spine of Los Angeles's Black community, with a transformative infrastructure project that will boost their community through economic development, job creation, and environmental healing while elevating Black art and culture. So when completed, Destination Crenshaw is going to be a place to experience the most dynamic expression of Black American culture in the United States. A 1.3-mile stretch of Crenshaw Boulevard is going to be transformed from an area that has long deserved economic investment and strategic urban planning into a thriving commercial corridor linked by architecturally stunning community spaces and pocket parks, hundreds of newly planted trees, and over 100 commissioned works of art. I learned about this project when I was doing my project for uh, the course that I talked about earlier. And so I really want to give them a shout out because I think what they're doing is truly amazing. And I I think they deserve support. I know that they take volunteers. I'm not sure if they do donations or not, but you can go on their website at destinationcrenshaw.la and you can find out more information about them, what they're doing. And if you want to help out in any way or just support in any way, it would be amazing. Yeah, that is a really incredible. I'm looking at the picture right now and it is, it looks really incredible. So I'm really, really excited to, to see it be completed and just be like a community hub. And yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be amazing. amazing. Yep. (laughs) Jinx. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode of Urban Planning is Not Boring. If you did, please remember to send us to your friends and follow us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, guys, urban planning is not boring. No, it is not. (laughs) 